0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Uh, Our special guest today is going to be our Boston-based veterinarian surgeon. He's also the New York Times bestselling author of Tell Me Where It Hurts, a uh, day of humor, healing, hope in the life of an animal surgeon. Uh, Everybody knows him. It's Nick Trout. Nick's been on the show uh, several times before, and we're excited to talk to him about his latest book, which is called The Wonder of Lost Causes. And we're going to get a little bit into the book, the ins and outs, without giving away all the great insights and details and all the the scuttlebutt in the book. Just enough for a little bit of flavor. And then uh, we'll talk to Nick also about uh, writing and veterinarian uh, practice and uh, how you combines both of those uh, wonderful forms of helping animals all into one uh, little bundle, which is called Nick Trout. So (laughs) everybody hang tight. We're going to come back right after this commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio.
1: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help.
0: Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition.
1: Pick up two bottles of liquor chops, get the third bottle,
0: Free. New, improved Lico chops with omega-3,
1: omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico chops. Buy two, get
0: one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And joining us now is uh, New York Times bestselling author Nick Trout. Nick, uh, welcome back to the show.
1: Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me back on the show.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you back out and definitely excited about the latest book, which is called The Wonder of Lost Causes. Give the audience a little bit of flavor about uh, what the book's all about and maybe uh, some of the characters in, in the book.
1: Yeah, so the book's really about... Three big characters, a young boy, 11-year-old boy called Jasper, who is, he's having a tough time in life. He wants to have a normal childhood, but he's suffering from an incurable illness, uh, uh, a disease called cystic fibrosis, which is making life tough for him. He just wants to be a normal kid, and he really has uh, an affinity for dogs. His mom, Kate, is a veterinarian who works at a shelter an animal shelter, rescuing uh, pets, but mainly dogs. And this is on Cape Cod. And she's having a hard time as well because she's a fearful, struggling single mom. She's worried about her son's future. She's maybe a little overprotective. And into their lives comes the third and potentially most important character, a mistreated, scarred, old mutt of a dog who is a character in his own right, His name is Whistler, and he changes everything. He gives them a totally different take on life and leads them on a much better path forward.
0: So you've got all the twists and turns in there. you got got the, all the, the great characters, and we, uh, and we know animals always change our life for the better, for sure. What are some of the uh, challenges, the biggest challenges, uh, that the uh, characters are going to go through? I understand you know, you've got the health crisis. You've got the dog that's uh, about to yeah. be moved on. So there's a lot going on there. But uh, how do they overcome some of those hurdles? Yeah,
1: so I think from, from the dog's perspective – As with older dogs, uh, dogs who are potentially, in quotes, difficult to adopt, they're viewed as as getting on in years. They may have health problems, behavioral problems. And, you know, Kate, the veterinarian there, looks at this dog and thinks, boy, this is going to be a tough dog to adopt. The shelter she works at is what's called limited in terms of they can only try to adopt dogs for financial reasons and the number of animals coming through their facility for about a 14-day period before they have to say, I'm sorry, enough is enough. And we know that these limited or kill shelters can be very frustrating uh, for everybody concerned, but it adds another sort of Ticking clock, tension to trying to sort things out for this dog. And Jasper, this boy with this illness, he's this kid. He's at this age where he says, You know what? To me, everything's happening for a reason. Why do I have this? You know, why am I struggling with my life, you know, physically, medically? And is there a reason for that? He, through his treatments, his medications, has started to lose his sense of smell and taste. His hearing has been damaged from some of the medications, his sense of touch, and he starts to think to himself, you know what, if I'm having this disease for a reason and I'm starting to lose these senses, maybe I'm gaining something in, in return, and that's something that maybe I'm gaining is the ability to communicate with this dog, not in a talking dog kind of way, but in that way that so many of us have with the animals in our lives. I was looking at a survey that said that 97% of pet owners believe they know what their pet is saying to them. And I said, you know what? I can take that to a slightly different level. And that there is this innate sense of communication that we have, that we do have the ability to appreciate what a dog is trying to tell us. And in Jasper's case, He wants to tap into a canine philosophy on life, that philosophy that we know and love in our animals, that live in the moment, make the best of everything, live without regret. And that, for a mother who is struggling and fearful of what her son's future might hold, is the perfect remedy for that woman. Even if she doesn't know it initially, it's something that she's going to discover over time.
0: Absolutely. You know, and it's fascinating because, uh, you know, the work that I do, obviously being able to communicate with animals and working with them closely every day, you know, I've learned over the years to trust that connection you have with animals, you know, even deeper than what we know from a scientific level or from a training level to actually tap into that communication, that connection that you have with animals. And it sounds exactly what what Jasper's doing here in this case.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's. You know, of course, initially, his mother is fearful and skeptical that her boy is just, you know, acting out another potential problem that is is going to alienate him amongst his peers, make him seem even stranger, uh, seem less, quote unquote, normal. And yet, you know, it's also something that as their interactions between Jasper and Whistler progress through the book, she starts to believe that something is at play here, there is some connectivity, there is some communication on a very visceral, innate level. And she, you know, starts her narrative arc as she comes towards the end of the book, realizing that what they have is more than just uh, a simple friendship.
0: Absolutely. So that deep bond. So the things she was most fearful of this and, and bringing a dog into this, uh, the family or into this situation actually helped uh, solve a lot of problems and, and uh, actually brought yeah. some uh, life into the family.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that she is guilty of is controlling, trying, because of the boy's health issues, she's trying to control every variable. So at one point she says, he may be living you know, I may be keeping him alive, but is he really living, you know, is he really experiencing life? And there is, because, you know, I wrote this story in part because, you know, I'm a parent of a child with cystic fibrosis. My daughter Emily has cystic fibrosis. So I have that, that personal knowledge that we can pamper and try to protect and do everything we can to defeat this illness in our children and the young adults who who have this problem and at the end of the day you know are they really enjoying what they have and dogs to me there's a lot of kinship between our fear of the dogs in our lives having a short period of time with us that we worry about losing them, that we, we worry about that sort of anticipatory grief. And so to me, there was a lot going on here between what I know as a parent and what I know as a veterinarian and trying to sort of say, dogs have got it right. You know, they, (laughs) they live in the moment, they enjoy it. They, they don't you know, you see dogs at a dog park. They're not warming up. They're not stretching. They're just go, go, go. They're not worried about do the canine equivalent of do these shorts make my butt look fat. <laughs> you know, they are, they are just enjoying themselves. And when my Labrador eats, it's just inhaled. It's a vacuum cleaner and it's just loving it. And even when my dogs sleep, they are out for the count in a way that I could never manage. You know, they're doing everything to the extreme But at the end of their lives, I truly believe they can say, you know, I've lived it all and I've lived without regret. And and for for all of us, that's such a vital lesson.
0: Absolutely. I think it's what we strive for, but we have a hard time uh, imagining or putting forth the effort to get there. In reality, if we just live a dog's life, in this case, we could get there easily. We don't have to put forth the effort.
1: And I think, I think in today's society, that's never been more important. You know, I think that's why these dogs are so special to us because they just simplify, they slow us down, they reduce the chaos. There's, there's no backstabbing, you know, it's, it's all, I'm going to share a secret and I know it's safe and and we, we need that. And that's what, you know, that's their gift for us amongst their many gifts, you know, that's they can distill life to the emotions that count.
0: Absolutely. Good words of wisdom there for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, then we'll come back and talk to uh, Nick Trad a little bit more about the book, uh, The Wonders of Lost Causes, and talk to him a little bit more about his writing and writing styles as well. So, everybody, hang tight. Uh, we'll be back after these commercial breaks, and you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Zip. Pets. let's talk pets. On pet Life radio pet life PetLiferadio.com. Pet welcome back to animal rights on pet life radio continue our conversation with our good friend Nick trout Nick when we talked a little bit in the first segment about the latest novel uh, the wonder of lost causes you talked a little bit about your personal experiences and some of the things you went uh, through or are going through and how you mold them into the book now I know you did a uh, Fantastic job of that, obviously, being a uh, veterinarian surgeon and uh, with the first book, the best-selling book, uh, Tell Me Where It Hurts. You took your personal experiences, professional experiences, and and molded it into a fantastic book. How did you take some of your personal and family experiences that you go through on a daily basis, implement them into this book, The Wonder of Lost Causes, but yet try to keep it separate and keep a theme going within the, the novel?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I th- you know, I think I started out by saying that I'm going to make this difficult for myself. I'm going to, as a father, as a parent of a child with cystic fibrosis, uh, I have a daughter. So I'm not going to write about a girl. I'm going to write a bo- about a boy. And I like that idea because I like the thought of someone who's a little precocious, you know, or uh, well, rascally, uh, well, you know, uh, you know just, just out to enjoy life and a character in his own right. And I, I thought, you know, I can probably relate a little bit to an 11-year-old boy. For the modern era, I did have some fantastic help from uh, my editor's son, Xander, who helped me with some of the nuances of the uh, online game Fortnite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I was helped out in certain areas to make my dialogue credible. Then the, the other part of this was instead of writing as a man, writing as a woman. And that was actually an easy decision because, you know, the majority of parents, you know, who take the brunt, bear the brunt of caring for chronically ill children are the mothers, the women. And right. I wanted to try my best to give them a voice. I wanted to share their selflessness and their bravery. And, and so that was the obvious thing for me to do. And so in doing those two things... I could tap into personal experiences of what my daughter's been through, personal experiences of what myself and my wife have been through and the challenges we faced as parents. And really, you know, part of this was cathartic to try and share this. And part of it was raising awareness, not only of the, the disease, but also of the joy of sharing your life with a dog. Of trying to, and part of that has really come about because, again, tapping into uh, life experiences, my daughter Emily has, over the last few years, had a service dog of her own. And seeing what a service dog can do for people with uh, a whole variety of disabilities and how they can profoundly, through small actions and small skills, make such a life changing alteration uh, you know, in changing these people not from disabled but to very much abled. And that was another facet of the book that I wanted to incorporate. So just like, you know, any other writer, it's it's it sort of always comes back to write what you know. If you want to try and get some sense of authenticity, it's the safest bet.
0: Yeah, but I think, in, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, but there's also that fine line, which I think you've done a great job uh, in this book because you're taking your, uh, you know, it's e- I shouldn't use the word easy because it's not, but, you know, it's easy to say, okay, uh, you know, I'm experiencing this with my daughter, so I'm going to make it a boy, or, you know, I've gone through this, so I'm going to make it, you know, the, the mother's viewpoint. Simple little changes like changing somebody's name from uh, Tim to Tom. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what you've done is taken your knowledge and your personal experiences. And what you've learned over the years, uh, also blended in what you've learned as a, uh, a veterinarian. But on the other hand, not let that and trying to get a message across, which you've done a great job of as well, but not let that interfere with a good story and you know keeping it flowing and touching the heart. You know, it's very, I would say, well, I'll use that word easy again. That's a terrible word I'm using here, but, you know, it's easy to say I'm going to pull from all my personal experiences then you end up with a book that maybe is a little bit more not entertaining as much yeah. because there's so much uh, heartfelt stuff in there. There's so much personal stuff in there. So you've got to walk that fine line. I think you've done a good job of sort of blending well, blending you. all that yeah. together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I this book has been, you know, people have commented the fact that, you know, it's been five years since I last published a book. And one of the reasons for that was that for the first time in a long time, I wasn't contractually obligated to write a book, which was nice. <laughs> Because I, I could, in this instance, take my time and think about how best to come at a story and how, how best to convey some of the emotional challenges that, that are going on here. And, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that uh, some of that appears to have had some success.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So when putting together, you've got uh, uh, no contracts, no obligations to put together a book, and it's been five years. What is your process? When did you like sort of come up with a, an idea that you can mold your experiences into a great novel? And, and was that something you accomplished in one month, or did it take yeah. all five years to get it, <laughs> get it fine-tuned?
1: Yeah, so, so what happens is I happen to have a fantastic agent and he loves the creative process and you know i just i start out by saying hey i got this idea for a, a kid who thinks he can talk to a dog and he'll go hmm, okay i'm um, i'm interested and then he'll say write me a paragraph and i'll write a paragraph as a sort of elevator pitch and then we'll go from there to a page and we'll see where this is going and a page becomes three page and then he will say okay why don't you think about how the whole story comes together you know sort of structure some of the the major features of where the story is going and i'll do that and then you know months pass and he'll say well you know i think this is in good shape why don't you write it and so i did i wrote it and probably that was somewhere like 18 months after our first discussion And, you know, I was in a supermarket and uh, he calls me and says, this is amazing. This is fantastic. I'll give you a call back later because I'm loving this so much. And he calls me a little later and goes, Nick, we've got a problem. I don't like the ending. And so, you know, and we go back again and hash out uh, a new second half of the book and and then finally get to something that we are all happy with, and and so this whole process keeps going on, and it, that's what the bad time for me because I write a book and I think, okay, I'm all done, and then of course I've I've now jumped into the world of editing with a <laughs> with a publishing editor, and then there's more things that we want to do, or we could do this better, or why not take it in this direction, and so I, you know, I got a publisher for, fortunately with Harper Collins, and uh, my my new editor has been fabulous. And that she has her own take on the weaknesses and the strengths and trying to heighten the tension and the drama. And, and, and it's all fabulous stuff. And, you know, I, I, I always come to realize that these people are all making me look a whole lot better than I really am as a writer. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate to, to have them at my back. But it is this it's just this. What was nice was this ability to just keep on coming back again and again until you reach that point where you know what? I think it's as good as it gets, and and there's and maybe maybe that never really happens because at the end of the day you still go, oh boy, if I'd have only added that, that might have made it a little bit more interesting. But I became with that kind of timeline. I can sort of sit back and go, Okay, I'm I'm good with that book. That was that was enjoyable and I'm proud to have written it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, the editing process is always fun. Uh I say that somewhat tongue in cheek on yeah. that. <laughs> Because uh, typically, it's they come back with you with an idea. You know, it's it's totally up to you. But here's a, an idea. Perhaps we can make it tighter or livelier. Or yeah, it's code for. Won't you rewrite this section? Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I wrote a, a prologue for this for this book, and because they asked me to, and and then months later they said, "Do you mind if we take the prologue out? We don't need it." And so you know, you, you put all that effort in, but it never came to anything. But hey, that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you get it out there and your fans love it, but then they come to you with additional ideas and you're like, oh, yeah. I would have thought of that one too. Maybe for the next book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Nick, when uh, everybody picks up a copy of The Wonder of Lost Causes and uh, it thoroughly enjoys it, great read, what do you hope to accomplish with the book? What would you say? there's? Is there one or two takeaways that you would be happy with if someone said, hey, here's what I got out of the book?
1: Yeah, I, I obviously uh, wanted to raise awareness for this, this disease and really for you know anyone who has a hidden disability. And by that, I mean that you can look pretty normal on the outside, but you may have autism or diabetes or PTSD or heart disorder or whatever. And that people are hopefully going to garner a lot of respect for the fact that they are, despite these limitations and challenges, they're getting on with their lives and, and contributing to society. And of course, part and parcel of this was the way that a dog can integrate into our lives and make it better and that you know we sometimes it's we get used to just a dog around us and we should probably from time to time just step back and just appreciate the way they interact in the world and and what what they are deriving from life, and it's all joy, and there's uh, a sad lack of that many times in our lives, and uh, thank goodness they're there to help us out with it.
0: Absolutely. I think I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Personal note for myself uh, today, you know, I've, I've got a little eight-pound schnauzer. I've got an 18-pound little schnauzer as well, <laughs> But my little eight-pound is the Spitfire, and she loves to play ball, so we'll go out in the backyard multiple times during the day to throw ball, and she'll get it and bring it back or or wrestle with it or whatever it may be. But I did take that time to observe the situation because each of these play times are only five, ten minutes, and she's totally thrilled. And then she comes back, and as you said, crashes hard, a sleep that I wish <laughs> I could get. And then, you know, if I'm ready to go within a half an hour or an hour or six hours later to go play some more ball, she's up for it. She's ready to go. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that's the key to our life, you know, not to be so structured, not to be, uh, wonder if we should do something or, or not do something, and, you know, how this will impact our lives. Animals bring. A great joy to our lives and can teach us a lot of lessons and in this book uh, the wonder lost causes obviously is a uh, great storyline and testament to that
1: yeah thank you that's yeah that's very true
0: well nick where can people find out uh, more about what's going on with you maybe have a chance to meet up with you get a copy of the book all the wonderful yeah, things
1: so i mean the book's available amazon barnes and noble bookstores online you can find out about me uh, www.drnicktrout.com. I'm on Goodreads. Uh, I'm trying to be active on Goodreads uh, and BookBub, and also on my website you can sign up for a newsletter in which I try to, you know, uh, give a little entertaining veterinary story, maybe a little uh, general veterinary advice, and also. A little bit of an update as what's going on with my writing.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll get all those posted. Everybody, take a look at uh, and keep track of everything that's going on with uh, Nick, and uh, definitely take a, advantage of the uh, the veterinarian advice uh, that he gives as well. Name of the book, once again, the latest novel is called The Wonder of Lost Causes. Everybody, pick up a copy. It's going to be a, a great read. You'll thoroughly enjoy it. And Nick, we'll look forward to uh, the next one. Hopefully, it won't be five years from now. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> hope a- not. That's right, but if it is, we'll still be here, and we'll be glad to talk to you at that point, too.
1: <laughs> well, thanks thanks so much for having me back, Tim. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, try and get here shorter short of time.
0: There you go. Our pleasure. All right, well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any comments, ideas, thoughts for the show, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com. And send us a note, and we'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and uh, bring on the people you want to hear from most. And while you're there, check out all the other uh, wonderful shows and hosts that we've got on Pet Life Radio. That's petliferadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, or in a book, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's talk pets